Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. So today we're in our final installment of the prayer of a man called Jabez, a man who was born in pain, a man whose mother literally called his name Jabez, which means a pain. He was obviously born in difficult times in his mother's life where she transferred all of her emotions, her thoughts, her feelings into this child that had caused her great pain with everything else that was going on in her life. And of course, we all know in biblical times, names have very special meaning. So this man did not have a great start to life. He had a very awkward start to life. That whenever somebody called his name, he was reminded of the pain he caused his mother. Can you imagine the insecurities and the difficulties that this man would have gone through in his growing up years? Imagine if he was in New Zealand, all the teasing that would happen to him at primary school for having a name like that. And yet this man in his adult life, in the midst of a long list of genealogies of who begat who, there's this incredible two short verses where this man went against all the grain with the bad start that he'd had in life. And he was able to pray a prayer that has now been prayed millions and millions of times over the centuries because this prayer is recorded in the Word of God for us. And it's an incredibly powerful prayer to show us that no matter what kind of start we've had in life, your life can change and your life can make a difference to other people's lives. Can I hear an amen from that this morning? And so we've done, we've talked about how Jabez understood the need in his life to have God's blessing. And this isn't the sort of blessing when someone goes, Achoo! you go, bless you, my son. That's not the sort of blessing we're talking about. We're talking about all of heaven's favour coming on your life because you were prepared to ask God for his blessing. And we understand that in Christ Jesus, in Christ today, all of the blessing of the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in Christ. And that in Christ, you now have access to this blessing that Jabez prayed for. Isn't it incredible? So his life went from one of much hardship and difficulty to him praying, Oh Lord, that you would bless me indeed. I don't want to just hear about the blessing of God on other people's lives. I want to and believe that you have a blessing for me. That there is something from heaven that has been stored up, that has been set aside for my life. So I'm going to be bold enough to ask for that blessing. I believe that you're a God of blessing. I believe that you're a God who wants me to experience the blessing. So therefore, I'm going to come right out with it, Lord, and I'm going to have no shame about praying. Remember, so many Christians have been taught that the last thing that you should ever pray for in your life is that God would bless you. You serve everybody else in your prayers, and yet this man does it the other way around. 
And he starts with outrageous boldness before the throne of God. He says, oh Lord, that you would bless me indeed. And last week we saw that the prayer goes on, that you would enlarge my territory. Not only did he want, he didn't want to keep the blessing of God for himself. He knew that he was made for more than this. He knew that his life was to be one of influence, to be one of impact, to be a life where that, that as a result of what he's carrying, he can be a person that can enlarge other people's territory and be a blessing, blessed to be a blessing to others. Amen. Amen. This Christianity ain't so any mamby-pamby outfit where we're just, oh Lord, that you would just give me a teaspoon, just a little teaspoon blessing upon my life. Thank you, Jesus. That's all I'm asking for, just a teaspoon. No, you need to be asking for a dump truck blessing. You need to be saying, Lord, back the truck up and let's receive the blessing of God over my life. Amen. <laughs> that we can carry the influence that we can carry something from heaven in our spirit that is going to cause the lives of those that we run into to be changed by the power of God's love and the power of His influence. And today in this final instalment, we're going to talk about part three and part four of the prayer. Because you see, once you start getting influence in your life, you need to realise that to keep this influence going, you need something very special. You need to be praying, Lord, that your hand, the hand of the Lord, will be upon my life. It's this thing called dependence. It's this thing that understanding that something in my prayer life needs to change, something in my prayer life, there needs to be an acknowledgement that because of what you're asking me to do, I can't do it with my own resources, my own strength, my own intellect, my own appearance. I need the power of God upon my life in order to fulfill the calling and the purpose of God upon my life. I need your hand to be with me. When's the last time you can sit down and honestly say that there was something going on in your life that you became aware of that God wanted you to do. But you're also aware there's no way that you can do it with what you've got on board. There's no way that with the resources that are at your disposal but that you're ever going to see it come to pass. Therefore, there comes... A, you see, two things happen to us in situations like that. Because God's got a way of communicating to you and me that we know what He's saying. Amen? He made us. He knows how to get the message through to us. And he'll start lodging something in you where you become aware that God's asking you to do this thing. But in yourself, you think, I just can't do this. This is an impossible task. How can I do this? And one of two things happen. Number one, you back out. You back down from the challenge. And God has to find somebody else to fulfill the task that he's asking you to do. Or you begin to acknowledge before the Lord God, I'm prepared to do this, but I acknowledge before you that I need you desperately. And I need something special that the Bible calls the hand of the Lord to rest upon me in order to see what you're asking me to do to come to pass. It's called God of the impossible doing the possible. Amen. Jesus said these words, nothing 
Say it with me. Nothing is impossible to them who believe. Wow. I love the fact that we don't have a bunch of superheroes come to church this morning in your capes and your superhero uniforms. That in fact we're all very ordinary people in this place today. But I take great delight in understanding that the Bible says that God does not choose many wise or noble in this world. But he chooses the foolish things of this world in order to confound the wise. Why is that? What is God? God saying, are you saying God's calling me? A, are, you, are you calling me a fool? <laughs> what are you saying, Pastor James? Are you calling me a fool? Let's go outside. Let's settle this right here and now. <laughs> Not with you, bro. You can go and settle that with someone else. <laughs> we don't take on the big Fiji. My friends, you see, when we become proud of our own abilities and our intellect and our stunning looks and all those other things, then what actually happens is that, is that we actually remove God from the picture because he's close to those who are of a broken and a contrite heart. He draws near to those who acknowledge their constant need of him within their life. And because of that fact, he says, I can't choose many who are noble of birth because they already have their pedigree next to their name and they're not prepared to lower themselves in order to receive what I have for them because they already think they have it all. Do you see the difference here? That's why God chooses the foolish things of this world. And if we look at the progression in Jabez's life, we see here on the next slide, he starts off in pain and he realizes he can turn his pain into blessing. But he also understands that with the blessing of God, there's the responsibility of God. That I've got to do something with the influence that God is giving to me. So he prays for enlargement of territory. God sets Abraham up on the mountain after he's given Lot his inheritance. And he says, Abraham, do you see as far as you can see from the north, the south, the west and the east? As far as you can see, you can have it. What can you see this morning? through the eyes of God, of new territory and influence that God is wanting to grant into your care today. So he prays this prayer for increased influence, enlargement of territory. And then he says, with all this influence, I need the hand of God upon my life. I need the hand of God upon my life. I need to keep humble so that God can work through me because God opposes the proud. So if I can stay humble, then together me and God are going to be able to do this thing that he's called us to do. Are you with me, church? We're on the same wavelength here. I think of the Great Commission that we so often quote, but did you know how ridiculous, how ridiculous this commission is that Jesus gave to us? He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He's saying to a bunch of uneducated blue-collar workers on their fishing boats, I want you to take this message to the whole world, to every nation. 
Why would God give that to these guys unless he actually understood and knew that they had something in them that was going to be able to make it happen? Because we see two parts of this. We see the impossibility of the job, and yet we see the nearness of those who are willing to be obedient. The nearness of God to those who are willing to be obedient. And lo, I am with you always. Here's the great challenge. Here's the great task. But remember, you don't have to do it by yourself. I'm with you always as you go. Isn't that cool today? And so I look at the motley crew that Jesus handpicked. Remember, Jesus handpicked the 12. One of them was a traitor who was only in it for the money. He sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. We had James and John, the sons of thunder, who were full of selfish ambition and drive in their life. They One wanted to sit on the right hand, one wanted to sit on the left hand. The, the, even bring mummy, mummy comes into the picture. Oh my boys, they're good boys. One could sit on your right hand, Jesus. One could sit on your left hand, Jesus. You know, just show them a bit of favour, a bit of favour here. <laughs> they had no understanding of what they were asking. Jesus, you don't, you don't even understand what you were asking of me today. And he said, in any way, it's not mine to give, it's the Father's. Amen? But they, here they are, they're full of selfish ambition. We have Peter, Peter the coward. Peter the coward, who Jesus prophesies over and says, on this rock, Peter, you shall no longer be called Simon, you shall be called Peter, which means little rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Not long after, he's, he's denying that he even knows who Jesus is in front of his accusers. Is there hope for you and me today? Oh yeah, we just need to look at this Motley crew and we say, yep, this Motley crew right here at Faith Point Church, we're ready to go. We're qualified in the name of Jesus for doing the job that God has called us to do. We had Thomas who was a doubter, doubting Thomas. Unless I see the nail holes in his hands, I will not believe. What does God do? Jesus literally shows up one day says, Thomas, why did you doubt and not believe? Here I am in your midst. How many of you ever struggle with doubt? Come on, if we're honest. We all have periods where things are going in the wrong direction and we're saying, but God, I thought you said. You said. And there's contradictions going on in our world and we begin to doubt. Well, guess what? Doubt is a qualified for the call of the kingdom as well this morning. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, how did all this work out later that here we are 2,000 years down the track? Here we are 2,000 years down the track. And this message of the gospel has gone from Jerusalem to the four corners of the globe. Where all around the world you have extended family. Do you know that's what I love about the body of Christ? When I travel and minister all around the world, I've got close friends. I need to get to meet them for five minutes and they're a close friend because we're blood 
brothers, we're blood sisters all around the world. God has positioned his family because somehow this message got taken from Jerusalem to the very corners, four corners of the world. We still have a big job to be done. There's still three million people that need, three billion people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world that we live in. But by golly, we've had a good start. Come on. Things have been working in heaven's favor as all around the world we see God beginning to move. And what happened to make this possible, friends? We know it wasn't the pedigree, the qualifications, the university standards that the 12 had next, the little letters next to their name. We know it didn't have anything to do with that. What did it have? God had a secret weapon at his disposal. And this is what he said to them. He said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. I want you to wait in Jerusalem. And I want you to wait because as you wait, I'm going to send power from on high. And you will be endued with power that comes from my spirit. And that power is going to fall on you. And Peter, that power is going to turn you from a coward that's going to wilt away in the shadows of the fire. And that power is going to put fire in your mouth. And that power is going to cause you to preach to a great crowd in Jerusalem and 3,000 people in one day. The largest conversion up to the history of the world happened at the mouth of Peter the coward because Peter the coward become Peter the lion under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. The early church continually experienced the hand of the Lord upon their lives to bring revival to the world of their day. Look at this, Acts 11. And the hand of the Lord was with them. With who? With the disciples. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Why did they turn to the Lord? Because the hand of the Lord was upon them. Now you're beginning to see why Jabez was so selective with what he prayed. He was so selective with what he prayed because he knew this was the secret weapon that every believer can believe God for to have over your life. Did you know you can have the hand of of the Lord upon you when you wake up in the morning? Instead of saying, good Lord, it's morning, you can say, good morning, Lord. (laughs) As the hand of the Lord comes upon you to worship Him, to call upon the name of the Lord, to enter into your day knowing that you don't have to walk this day alone. But his hand can rest upon you all the days of your life. I love what it says about the hands of the apostles in Acts 5 verse 12. Through the hands of the apostles, what happened? Many signs and wonders were done among the people. Your hands and my hands can become an extension of God's hand. Jesus said, lay hands upon those that are not well and watch them recover. That's not just for the apostles. He said that to every believer. Every believer has the power to be released through your hands to become the hand of God through your hands as you extend it in faith, believing that the supernatural power of God can touch a person's life. We've seen that happen so many, many times. And then he prays this last part of the prayer. And he says this, With the blessing, with the enlargement of territory, and now that your hand's upon me, I have a great danger in my life. And that danger is the danger of success. 
When are you most vulnerable? When you are in the gutter and you've got nothing? Or when you are riding in your roller around town with not one financial need next to your name because you've got so much money, everything's taken care of. When are you most at danger? Can I ask you the question? I believe you're most at danger at your most successful moments in your life. And Jabez recognized this. He's praying this progression within his life. I've got the blessing. I've got the influence. I've now got the hand of the Lord upon me. But God, I need something extra than this. And he begins to pray that you would keep me from evil. Jesus literally said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the Lord's Prayer, one of the most famous lines that's been prayed time and time again. You see, Jesus agreed with Jabez. And Jabez agreed with Jesus. That within our life, we need to understand that we need to pray preemptive prayers that is going to keep us safe and is going to keep us under the protection and the hand and in the humility pocket of Jesus. So that our success doesn't go to our head and we become some haughty person that won't even stop to say hello to the person that you used to be great mates with because you've gotten too big for your boots. And you no longer associate with people like that anymore. I've actually met people like that, believe it or not. It's one of the ugliest things in life that you'll ever see. That a person forgets where they've come from. And they become full of pride. So Jabez is praying, God, that you would keep me from evil. And because he's known what it's like to have pain within his life, because he's known that, he says, God, can you keep me from causing other people pain? Hello? How easy is it to be a pain? Why don't you just ask the person next to you? How easy is it for you to be a pain? <laughs> oh, some are lying and saying it's very difficult for me to be a pain. But you see, friends, this is the story. When we become inflated, too inflated for our own self-good, we begin to get deceived and we say to ourselves, instead of acknowledging it's the hand of God that's brought me safe this far, we start convincing ourselves it's my talents. It's my abilities, it's my money that's brought me success so far. And we begin to kid ourselves and become in a downward spiral of deception. We start talking about, well, I've been on the road a little while now and it's my experience in life that is the key to my success. Or we start talking about how hard we've had to work for everything that we've got. And you see, each and every explanation that we give, none of them connect us back to the heart of God. Suddenly, it's all about us having got where we've got to by our own hard work, our own talents, our own abilities. Danger, danger. I won't say Will Robinson. Did I say Will Robinson? Danger, Will Robinson. You can tell when I grow up. The young people go, who the heck is Will Robinson? <laughs> Lost in space. What an anchor. Okay. <laughs> See, what we need to do, friends, as we just come to a quick close on this, is that we need to understand 
that somehow Jabez had caught a hold of how evil evil can be. He had caught a hold of how harmful evil can be in anyone's backyard. He caught a hold of how evil he could be. Come on, when's the last time you said something that came out of your mouth and you couldn't believe it actually came out of your mouth? Jesus said adulteries, fornications, all those horrible things, murders. He said they don't come from outside a man, they come from inside a man. He said to the religious people of the day, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones on the inside. Talk about call a spade a spade. Jesus was pretty good at that, calling them out on what they were. And Jabez understood that he had the same nature as Adam, where sin could crouch at the door and catapult into his life at any point in time. And he realised that he needed to pray a prayer of protection over his life, just like Jesus taught us to pray. Lord, deliver me from temptation, from the evil one in my life. Praying ahead of time, praying ahead of your day. Romans 12 verse 9 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor, that means to hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. How do we slip into a life of hypocrisy? All of us. How do we slip into a life of hypocrisy where you say one thing but your life gives a different message? The two don't line up. Do you know how we do it? Is that we become friends and we start shaking hands with evil. Instead of abhorring evil and hating evil and clinging to what is good, we begin to cozy up to evil. And before long, evil is saturating your thought processes. It's actually causing you to manoeuvre yourself and manipulate your mind in such a way that the next thing that comes out of you is not something that's good, but it's something that's evil. Why have so many Christian ministries in the last few decades bit the dust? Friends, it's because they bit the dust because they didn't cling to what is good and they didn't abhor what was evil. And how a mighty falling, many of them have fallen because they shook hands with the devil. They mightn't realise it was Satan that was knocking on their door, but it was one of his henchmen or punk demons that was sent to them to cozy up to them in a deceptive way. The devil's never going to come to you with a fork and a tail dressed in his red costume. That's cartoon stuff. He comes as an angel of light. So much so that he's so believable and he seems so nice and it seems so good. Everything seems to be, you seem to be able to embrace it all, but there's hideous evil in behind that embrace. James chapter 1, we've been studying this in the book of James. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Here's a few short points before we close on this. I would have liked to have dealt with this subject on its own because we've got a Christmas service next week. But so simply to say this, is that point number one, if we can move to the next slide, God is not the tempter. The devil will convince you that. 
says he can never tempt anyone with evil because evil is not part of who he is. It's the devil and his henchmen are the ones that come with the message of evil to your life. It comes to all of us, temptation, but the less temptation you have to face, the better. Come on. Don't get into that thing, bring it on. <laughs> Do your Tarzan beat, bring it on. Do you know what you're asking for? Let me tell you, the devil's been doing this for a long time. He's, master, he's masterful in his deception. He's very, very good at doing evil around about your life. You don't want, you want as little as you can to possibly do with him. Therefore, you need to pray beforehand that you would deliver me from the evil one, that you would save me from temptation before temptation even comes knocking on your door, that you're saying, Lord, keep me safe from every temptation. It's like the little boy who's trying to save up for a rugby ball. He's putting away all of his pocket money, saving up for that rugby ball. And one night his mother hears him praying. And he's praying, kneeling beside his bed. And he says, dear Lord, would you please help me to save for the rugby ball? And would you please make sure that Mr. Whippy doesn't come down my street? <laughs> who's partial to a bit of Mr. Whippy? Come on. Why did he pray that? In his simplistic way, he's praying ahead of time that God would keep him from losing his pocket money to something that comes down his street that's offering him something that's going to take away from something that he has. In the same way, you and I can pray that same prayer. Don't let the devil come down my street today and come knocking on my door in such a way that I'll give in to whatever he's offering to sell me. The second thing is that temptation has the ability to inflame wrong desires. Look at this quote. Temptation, if not resisted, soon becomes a necessity. Watch out for temptation. The more you see of it, the better it looks. How about this? Half the trouble in this life can be traced to saying yes too quick and not saying no soon enough. Wow. You think about that. Third point is this, evil has the power to derail us no matter how long we've been in the faith. Just remember that. How the mighty have fallen. Never forget your roots. Never forget where you came from. Don't say just because you've been a Christian for 20 years that you're more protected than the Christian that's been there for six months. I want to tell you that we're all made of the same stuff. Dust to dust, ash to ashes. We're made of the same stuff and we're going to return to the same stuff. And we all have the same temptations that hit all of our lives. I like the quote about Martin Luther who was doing uh, a graphic description of the activities of the devil. And asked one time how he overcame the devil, he replied, Well, when the devil comes knocking upon the door of my heart and asks, Who lives here? The dear Lord Jesus goes to the door and says, Martin Luther used to live here, but he's moved out. Now I live here. The devil, seeing the nail prints in his hands and the pierced is in his side, takes flight immediately because you're letting Jesus answer the door instead of you going to face the devil. Lastly, temptation is deceptive in nature. Why else would we get sucked into it? The fact that there is a deceptive nature to temptation. 
We can have a huge victory over temptation. And then next minute, <laughs> next minute, the smallest little thing that you never saw coming suddenly sparks the biggest row that you've had in years in your marriage. You just conquered Goliath and suddenly this little minute thing came out, popping under the radar because of its deceptive nature. Kaboom! <laughs> and then you've got to pick up the blood splatter and the mess and everything else after all of that, or at least Viv does. Praise God. <laughs> You know, Bobby Leach, Bobby Leach was the Englishman, the first Englishman who startled the world by going over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Can you believe how insane can that guy be? Have you seen Niagara Falls? So he got sealed up in a wooden barrel, barrel that was still reinforced and he went floating over the Niagara Falls and he survived. Some years later, Bobby Leach was walking down the street and he slipped on an orange peel and broke his leg. <laughs> What's the lesson? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? You can have something massive that you can defend within your life. And then the smallest little orange peel can do so much damage within your life because you didn't see it coming. Be watchful, be sober, be vigilant for your devil is walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Could we stand to our feet this morning, church?